Uh, Father, I love you. Thank you for today. Thank you for uh, just loving us, being good to us, uh, just calling us out, giving us a purpose, giving us uh, a reason to uh, get out of bed on a Sunday morning when uh, it seems like there could be a million other places and a million other things we could be doing, but we really want to be uh, in your house hearing from you, Lord. And uh, Lord, I do just uh, <clears throat> excuse me, pray that you would just bless the, the Passpoint class. There's a lot of things going on uh, just as I, as I look around the room and as I just kind of go through the list and uh, just pray for uh, your saints. And uh, there's a lot of things that are happening, good uh, and uh, just uh, hard things as well. And I just pray that we would continue to uh, just love each other like family, uh, just continue to minister to one another and you know, just be the hands and feet of Jesus as we're called to be. And so, Lord, I do pray that you'd uh, speak to us today as we uh, wrap up this first section um, of the Family Life series and that it would be uh, not just something that's another thing that we're going through, but uh, this would really be something that um, challenges us to evaluate where we're at with you and where we need to uh, grow uh, and just knock off some edges uh, to uh, solidify uh, our place <clears throat> in our standing that we already have with you. So, Lord, I do pray you just speak to us today. Put me out of the way. I don't have uh, much to say, but I know that your word does, and uh, I know that it's true, and I know that we can hold to it uh, even when things are uh, just foggy and, and blurry. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just uh, uh, speak to us today in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> Excuse me. Can you give me a bottle of water, Paige, or something? <coughs> Man, I don't know what happened. All of a sudden, I can't breathe. Okay, thank you, Mitch. So, uh, we've been going through... Okay, let me just let me backtrack a little bit because I think I want to wrap this section up today and I want to kind of do the best job that I can with it. Thank you, Mitch. Um, so, we got done with First Corinthians and... Wow, I cannot breathe. I don't know what is going on. Sorry, excuse me. So we wrapped up 1 Corinthians and my, my thought, my goal was to uh, go into the book of Jonah. And we still are. We're going to get to the book of Jonah. But as you read through the book of Jonah, um, what's going on in the story for the most part is... You know, God says, hey, Jonah, I want you to do this. He's like, well, that really wasn't my plan, God, so I don't really want to. And uh, I'll just go this way instead. And so God's like, all right, you try things your way. And he does. And then God's like, oh, by the way, um, probably not going to work your way. And, you know, obviously he gets swallowed by the fish, gets, thro- well, gets thrown overboard, swallowed by the fish, uh, all the things, right? And throughout the whole thing, you know, the fish vomits him up on the shore. And now God's like, hey, Jonah, you remember that one thing I asked you to do? He's like, yeah, uh, why don't you go ahead and go do that now? And uh, Jonah's like, all right, fine. And he goes to Nineveh and he's like the greatest missionary ever because he goes and he's like, repent or you're going to die. You know, that's about the way that he went and preached in Nineveh, you know, and we, we see missionaries go around the world and give their entire lives and never see anybody get saved. And Jonah comes rolling in with a bad heart, with a bad attitude, and the entire city repents and, you know, basically follows the Lord <clears throat> for, for that time. And anyway, the whole purpose behind wanting to teach through that, um, well, there's a lot of things, but is knowing what it is that God told you to do, right? And so that's kind of how we got to where we're at right now is um, as I've been teaching through D2 and a lot of different things, circumstances in life and doing some counseling with some people and uh, just different, a lot of different scenarios, it, it just became apparently clear, and it's not just in y'all's life, it's in my life as well at times, that too often we know that, hey, we're supposed to be uh, a good child of God, Right? Uh, and by good, I kind of throw air quotes up because what does that mean even, right? We're supposed to be uh, a, a good, quote-unquote, good uh, husband or wife. Uh, we're supposed to be good parents. We're supposed to be employees. We're supposed to be uh, all of the things to all people, right? Paul says, I became all things to all men that I might 
win some, right? And so that's like, uh, well, I'll, but sometimes it's like, I can't even figure out how to do this right, let alone this with a side of this on top of this. And we end up like getting so many balls in the air and we're running ourselves ragged. And when I say we, I mean we, we all are. That's the culture we live in. That it's just like at times we want to just throw our hands up and say, I don't even know which direction I'm supposed to be going. Right. And so before we roll into a book like Jonah, where the whole concept of it's going to be, what did God tell you to do? And basically, are you doing it or not? I wanted to take a little bit of time and I thought it was going to be eight weeks. And obviously that's blown out of the water because that was, you know, four weeks ago now. But uh, and look at what I guess I'm calling this family life study and knowing what it is in just some basic areas of life is what is it that God told you to do, right? What is it? So if you can hold on to knowing that like, hey, this is what I know I'm supposed to do, not because this guy said or because that person has an expectation or because I think I'm supposed to do that, but because that's what the word of God says in this area of my life, this is what I'm supposed to do. So when, you know, the fiery darts of the adversary start coming your way, when it seems like uh, the craziness of life gets even crazier with, you know, you got holidays coming up and all the things and um, you can just have peace in the fact that I know this is what God told me to do so I'm just going to do that right because it's really easy to be obedient if you know what it is that you've been told to do it's hard to be obedient when the direction is well you could do that but you could do this and really if you wanted to do that you could and it's just really blurry well the word of God's not blurry the word of God is not foggy the word of God is very clear our interpretation of it sometimes is well I don't really like to believe what it says here and I really don't like what uh, that means for my life over here. Well, that's for lack of a better word and uh, lack of uh, really caring what you think. It doesn't matter what you think. The word of God is very clear. Um, you get to either obey it or disobey it. You know, and sometimes people think that that's a very callous way to look at it. Um, that's just a very black and white way to look at it. Uh, God said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and preach into the city. He didn't say, hey, if you've got some extra time in your life, maybe head over this direction and maybe while you're there, build a relationship and talk to these people. That's not what he said. He gave very pinpoint instructions. Go tell them. Okay, so what is it in your life that God has said, I want you to do this? Okay, so that gets us kind of to where we're at. We've been going through this uh, family life study and um, I thought I was going to get through this in a day, and this is week four, but we will finish this first part of it. And basically, uh, this first section of the family life study is what are your responsibilities when it comes to following God, right? What are your responsibilities when it comes to following God? And I know some of you are like, good, now I'll know how many minutes a day I'm supposed to pray, how many pages in my Bible I'm supposed to read, how many people I'm supposed to talk to. Sorry, that was not anything to do with what I'm telling you here. Uh, that's on you to figure out what that means for your life. Uh, I'm giving you some really basic things for you to make sure that your relationship is where it needs to be. If your relationship with the Lord is where it needs to be, you'll know those other things. You'll know if your communication with God is good or not. You'll know if you're uh, witnessing to the lost or the people around you is where it needs to be. Those things become apparent. These things are just basically to make sure that... Uh, you got a good relationship with him. That first and foremost, before you worry about, am I a good husband or wife? Am I a good parent? Am I a good employee? Am I a good X, Y, and Z? Uh, are you a good child of God, right? Quote, unquote, air quotes, good. Are you following God the way you're supposed to? And so I had seven things, and we're going to finish these up today, that should be found in your life as you follow God. Seven things that should be found in your life as you follow God. We've made it through five of these. I'll give them to you real quick, and then I want to get to the last two, and we'll be done. So the first thing that should be found in your life as you follow God is you're simply following Him. Okay, that's like 
pretty simple, right? But the first thing Jesus said to any of his disciples before they were even his disciples was what? Follow me. This is the simplest thing I want you to do. Not go in the world, not go uh, disciple people, not go do this, not go do that. Too often as Christians, we're like, I got so many things I need to do. The first thing that Jesus wants you to do is simply follow me. Learn what I do by seeing what I do. You want to get in on what God's doing? Find somebody that's in on what God's doing and follow them. Follow me as I follow Christ is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. You have to follow him. Coincidentally enough, the last thing that Jesus says to Peter is follow me. Right, But you can go back and listen to that several weeks ago uh, on the podcast. So the second thing that should be found in your life as you follow God is you are abiding in Him. Now, following somebody is one thing. Uh, abiding them in them, living in them, basically being immersed, submersed in with them, that's something completely different. And we have to abide in Him. When you choose to abide in Him, you get the fellowship that he actually desires with you, right? He says, he tells Peter and the, and the gang, come and dine. He doesn't say, hey, come and follow me, but come and have intimate relationship with me. And if you're a, a follower of God and you don't really know what it means, or worse yet, if you get uncomfortable when somebody says uh, that you should have intimate fellowship with the God that you serve, then there's a problem in your following, right? Uh, you should know what it means to have intimate fellowship with the Lord. Like, it should be a part of your life daily. Uh, it has to be, or you're going to find yourself not doing the next thing, which is resting in Him. The third thing was you have to rest in Him. You have to be able to find your rest in life, not through running over here, running over there, going and doing this, going... That doesn't sound restful to me. Um, you find rest by simply taking His yoke on you and giving Him your burden. Now, sometimes that means more work. Now, figure out what that means. You know, Paul says, run patiently. I don't understand how that works either, because like, if I'm running, I'm not doing anything patiently. Like, I'm running till I can't breathe anymore. Uh, if you want to know how to run patiently, um, you know, cross-country coach over here, maybe she could tell us how to do it. But uh, I don't know nothing about all the, the running patiently thing, but all of these different things, like, you have to find your rest in Him. Rest isn't about not working. Rest is about um, finding peace in the Word of God. Okay, so that was the third thing. You have to rest in Him. The fourth thing, you have to trust Him. We talked about these things last week. Uh, remember when uh, I used the example, uh, and go, you can go back and listen to any of these. I'm just trying to kind of get us all caught up on speed. Uh, not caught up on speed. Uh, caught up to speed. Uh, so, I don't even really know what that means. but uh, What? Your mother-in-law. I mean, all right. It happens. Uh, Jesus sends the disciples out on the boat. And uh, he says, hey, I'll catch up to you. Well, what they didn't realize was he's going to catch up to them by walking out on the water. And, you know, it's storming. It's crazy out. And uh, they're like, oh, my gosh, it's a spirit. We don't know what to do. And then they're finally like, wait a minute. I think that's the Lord. And, you know, Peter gets all excited because that's what he does. And he's like, oh, my gosh, it is Jesus. Jesus, can I come out on the water with you? And Jesus, he's like, nah, you can't do that. No, he's like, yeah, come on. Right. And so Peter, without a doubt, he's like, all right. And he steps out and it says that he was walking on the water. It doesn't say that he stepped out and he saw the waves. And no, it says before all of that happened, he stepped out and he was walking on the water. The only person that I know of in the Bible, other than Jesus himself, that actually did walk on water. But then, you know. There's the big but, right? He says, but he saw that the wind was boisterous and, you know, the waves were crashing and all the things. And he just, he just lost his trust just for a second. He took his eyes off of Christ 
while he was walking on the sea to see all the, the terrible things that are going on around him. And that's what happens with us, right? Uh, we know that with Christ, we can do anything. You sh- if you don't know that, you should know that. In Christ, you can do all things. Uh, Philippians says, I can do all things. Uh, Paul says in Philippians, I can do all things uh, through Christ who strengthens me, right? You can do all things. The problem is we lose focus. We start to look at, oh my gosh, my kids are over here doing this. And oh my gosh, my marriage is falling apart over here. And oh my gosh, my, I lost my job. And oh my gosh, this is happening. And oh my God. And we start to, you know, last week I said several times, we start to have a little proverbial freak out moment. And it's like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. My life's falling apart. And we start to like, start to grab all the things that we can control and try to start manipulating the circumstances and doing all the things. And, and we start to sink. We forget that uh, we were walking on water before that. Uh, you were walking on top of the world before that. We just lose focus, right? We have to trust Him no matter what. You have to trust Him. If you're not trusting Him, you're not following Him, right? And so as you're trying to figure out all the different things in your life, you have to make sure that these things in particular are found first. Because if you want to be a better husband, if you want to be a better parent, you want to be a better wife, all the things, you got to do these things first. Because if you're not doing these things, those other things don't matter. You might be like, wait a minute, my marriage is falling apart. Okay, if you're not doing these things first, those other things don't matter. They just don't. They can't. There's a reason that the structure and the Word of God is the way that it is. Right? There's a reason that when we build a house, we don't put the roof on and then try to like fly it up with a crane. It doesn't work like that. Uh, we pour concrete in the ground to give it something firm to stand on. right? And then we build from there. There's a reason that we do things. There's a reason the way... The Word of God is put together. And if you're not following Him first, these other things, they just won't, they won't work. They won't matter. Okay, and then the last thing we looked at last week was if you're going to trust Him, you have to obey Him. It's one thing to say, yes, I trust you, Lord. Okay, do you trust me enough to actually do what I said to do? Okay, so you're going to trust and you're going to obey. Uh, it's pretty simple. Obedience is the simplest thing in the Bible to do. It's the hardest thing in the Bible to do. And yes, I was not trying to contradict myself. Obedience in the Bible is the simplest thing to do. Because there's peace in it. Like, if I just do this, it really doesn't matter who questions what I'm doing. I'd be like, that's what God said to do. Talk to him about it. Don't ask me. But at the same time, obedience in the Bible is one of the hardest things to do because it will ask you to do some of the most uncomfortable things that you've ever done. Talking about Pradeep Lima, the the Indian guy that's going to be here today. Um, I remember when, and I don't know if it was in here or it was in D2, so maybe you've heard the story already, but I remember when I was in my first year of HBI, wasn't even 100% sure why I was there, other than God said, you better make sure you're trained up. And Pastor Randy and Pastor Brian started asking me, hey, do you want to go on this trip to India with us? And I'm like, for what? I don't know nothing about nothing. I'm just here because I want to learn. And they're like, well, there's a group of, uh, you know, pastors there that we're going to go and teach them the Bible. Like, you want me, I don't know nothing, to go and teach a group of pastors halfway around the world anything about anything? Yeah, you should come. I'm like, absolutely not. I went, right? And then I've been back several times since then, uh, obedience in the Bible sometimes is the hardest thing to do because it will ask you to do some of the hardest things you've ever done. Now, it doesn't mean that you're going to go halfway around the world. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. Maybe you'll just actually start, you know, doing the simple things in your life. I don't know what it is. You do. I don't. Like, that's why I didn't want to get into this study and say, hey, make sure you read your Bible every day. Hey, make sure you pray every day. Hey, make sure you... Because then your question would be, well, how much? And for how long? And why do I have to? Like, I'm just simply telling you what it takes to have a relationship with Him. If you want to start doing that, I'm sure God will be very clear in your life of what those other things look like. Right? Okay, so let's get to today because I've spent way too much time in review. So, all of these different things are happening to follow God, and let's get to the last two. So, the next 
thing that will be found in your life, that should be found in your life as you follow God, is <coughs> you're being past the point for him. Now, that is kind of a play on words because this is the past point class. Um, and some of you do and some of you may not know why the past point class is called what it is. But uh, you need to be past the point of no return for him. And so if you've got your Bibles, flip over to John chapter 6. Uh, and I'll kind of show you a little bit of where that came from and where we need to be as we go through this. John chapter 6. Verse 60. So what's happening here is uh, Jesus has been spending a lot of time uh, teaching the disciples and now he started to teach uh, the multitudes. And as happens, John chapter 6 and verse 60. Uh, I'm sorry, I thought you were asking where we were at. Uh, John chapter 6 and verse 60. No, it's all good. Uh, I, uh, it's, it's fine. I mean, you can share with the whole class if you want to, but it doesn't matter. We heard a knocking and we think we're delusional. So okay. Maybe it was. I don't know. And so uh, at this point, some of the disciples, and we're not talking about the 12 at this point, but they're starting to question, is this really, am I really bought in? Am I really going to go all in? And this happens in our life as we choose to follow Christ as well, is we get excited, we get zealous for the Lord, we start going and doing and doing all these things, and then something happens usually, maybe some things start to happen in your life, and you start to have this questioning, like, am I really bought in? Like, am I really... Am I really going to go? Because, like, we've gone a little bit here, and it's been fun, but, like, am I really willing to, to give it all is really what it comes down to. And so, John chapter 6 and verse 60, it says, Many, therefore, of his disciples, not talking about the twelve at this point, we're talking about just his followers in general, uh, when they had heard this, said, this is a hard saying, who can hear it? And so, basically, he had been saying what, what led to this was, uh, if you're not willing to, like, give it all, you're going to have a hard time following me. That's basically what he just said. You're going to have to be all in. And it says, when a lot of them heard this, they said, this is a hard thing. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured against it, he said unto them, does this offend you? Doth this offend you? What and if shall you see the Son of Man ascending up uh, where he was before? Is it the Spirit that quickeneth? The flesh profited nothing. The words uh, that I speak unto you are the Spirit. They are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him, talking about Judas Iscariot. And he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him my father. From that time, so everybody likes to think of Jesus as, you know, the super loving Jesus sitting around with the children doing all the things. And yes, he did those things. Uh, but the same guy was the dude who rolled into the temple, flipped the tables over uh, and kind of had a not really a proverbial, uh, for real, come to Jesus moment with the people who were basically uh, defiling the temple. Uh, and so sometimes following Jesus, uh, he's going to ask you to do some things that aren't just like, a, you know, trust and obey. There's no other way. No, sometimes it's like, are you going to follow or you're not? And that's kind of what's going on here is he says, uh, he says, uh, and he said, verse 65, therefore I said unto you that no man can come to you except it was given unto my father. From that time, many of the disciples went back. And they walked with them no more. They were offended. Let's just call it what it was. Because that's what happens. Uh, in our culture, we call it butthurt or whatever else. They were offended. They were not happy about what was going on. And they were like, fine, if you're not going to do it my way, I'll just go do it over here. There's another church right down the road. I'll go there. Right? Or there's somebody else that I can go listen to right over here. That's fine. Jesus is like, whatever. You do what you need to do. Um, I'm just telling you what the Word of God says. You know, I, there's a lot of times that 
apparently I offend people. I, I have no desire to offend anyone. I really never do. I just believe that the Word of God is very pure. I believe it's very black and white, and you get the choice to either obey it or disobey it. Like, I'm not mad at you. I'm just telling you what it says. And that's what Jesus, he's just like, uh, this, that's, that's who we are. Uh, that's what we do. Uh, he says, and from that time, many disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then he said unto the twelve. So a lot of the, the bigger group of people have fallen away. We understand that the twelve are like the, the most inner closest disciples, if that's even a thing, inner closest. They were the closest disciples. Uh, we know them as, you know, the, the twelve apostles eventually. But uh, he says unto the twelve. Will you also go away? And really that's like a question. Now I understand you're not one of the 12 disciples, but that's the question that's really pointed at you. Are you also going to leave? There's some turmoil around here. There's some people that don't really like what I have to say. There's some people that don't really like the way that things are going down. Are you leaving too? I'm just asking. Then Simon Peter answered him. Now, we like to give Peter in the Bible a really hard time for always having something to say. For always being the one who's quick to speak, slow to think, and it gets him in a lot of precarious situations, right? Uh, I can relate to that because I'm that way sometimes. Uh, but this is one time that I'm really glad that Peter had something to say because he says, Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. When you get to this moment in your life, when you're like, all right, am I, are we really bought into this? Right, am I really going to go all in? Am I really buying? Am I really? Is this really what we're doing? This is what you need to ask yourself. Where in the heck else am I going to go? You have the words of eternal life. Verse 69. And we believe that thou, uh, and we believe and are sure that thou art the, that, that Christ, the Son of the living God. So, the past point class came out of this passage and, and another passage, uh, very similar to it. But basically, Jesus, he asked them, are you leaving too? And what what Peter finally says is, where else are we going to go? Am I going to go back to my old life that you saved me from? Am I going to go back to that old sin as the dog returns to his vomit? Am I going to continue to go back and just obliterate my life and have a great time on the fast track to hell? Or... Am I going to say, yeah, this is hard, but I'm going to continue to do it because this is what you've called me to do. At some point, you have to decide that you are past the point of no return. You can't get to a point where you're like, well, I could always go back to my old life because, you know, if this doesn't work out, I remember when we were young in the Lord, uh, there were always people that were like, you know, the new will wear off, right? It'll, it'll, you'll, it'll ease up. You won't be so zealous all the time, right? You'll eventually come down to earth. It's fine. Uh, even people, now I'm not saying, there are people in the church, it'll wear off. You know, I'm, praise the Lord it hasn't wore off. Because I'm at the point now where there's been some hard things. And it's like, where else am I going to go? I, I can't even fathom trying to go back to the way that I was, to the old man that I was, to the old relationships that I had. I'm past the point of that. So all I can do is look at Christ and say, where in the heck else am I going to go? You have the words of eternal life. I'll keep going this way. Right? And if it fails, well, it's going to fail with me saying, I was just doing what you told me to do. Right? Sometimes not being the leader is the easiest thing in the world to do. Right? Because it's just like, I really don't think this is the greatest idea. I really don't think that this is... uh 
honestly, the way that we should be going. But God said, you are in charge, and I'm submitting. And if things go not well, you're you're in trouble, right? You've got some explaining to do, because I was just simply doing what I was told to do, right? I'm just saying that sometimes that's the easiest thing. Okay, flip over really quickly to Luke chapter 9. Um, Luke chapter 9, verse 57. Same kind of concept as what we were just talking about. Different scenario, but Luke chapter 9 and verse 57. It says, And it came to pass as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee wheresoever, whithersoever thou goest. That's a really good King James word right there, whithersoever. I'll, I'll go wherever you want me to go. So basically this guy's been following Jesus around, seeing what's happening, and deciding that, hey, I, I think this might be a, a good guy to follow. Uh, I'm going to basically buy in, right? I, I'm gonna, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, I see his disciples. I, w- I want to be like these guys. I'm going to do it, right? So that's, that's all we know about this guy at this point. Uh, they had just come into this village and basically uh, they see him and he says, hey, I want to follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said unto him, come on then. That's not what he says. Jesus says, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man hath not where to lay his head. And he's like, that didn't really answer my question, right? It didn't really give me what Jesus is saying. It really didn't doesn't have anything to do with what I just said, except for it has everything to do. Basically, what he's saying is, uh, I don't even know where I'm going to be at the end of the day. I don't even know completely where the Spirit's going to lead me. And he said unto another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first that I go bury my father. And Jesus said unto him, let the, be- uh, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Now, some people confuse this and they think that means that he's not supposed to go at all. Um, it kind of means that he's supposed to go with a purpose. Um, don't go and mourn, but go preach. You want to go to the funeral? Go ahead. Um, but make sure there's purpose behind what you're doing. Anyway, sometimes people twist that all up, but it is what it is. Uh, Jesus said, and let the bed bury their dead, but go down and preach the kingdom of God. Another, uh, and another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but this is what we do. This is Laodicea in church right here. I will follow thee, but First, let me go bid them farewell, which are at my home, at my house. Let me let me go take care of the things I've got going on first. Right, well, let me just give you a little tidbit into your life. And you might be like, you don't know me, but I know you well enough to know that this is you. You're never going to get to a point in life where it's like, okay, now life has calmed down enough that I can get into this Jesus thing. It doesn't happen. There will always be things. There will always be always be things to occupy your time. That's just what happens. It's the world we live in. Jesus said unto him, verse 62, No man, not no good man, not not a lot of people, he says, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, you might be like, Well, uh, I'm not a farmer, unless you're Doug. Uh, I don't put my hand to the plow. I hook it to my tractor, right? Uh, Whatever it is. What he's trying to say is, when you buy into the mission of what God is doing, there's labor involved. And at the time that, you know, what's going on in this culture, uh, they actually did have to get a hold of a plow behind an ox 
or an ass, right? And that's what the Bible says. Uh, and do the work. And what he's trying to say is no man that is uh, bought into what I'm doing here put his hand to the plow of my work and looked back even for a minute to say, man, that was, that was fun back then. I miss that. It says you're not fit for the kingdom of God. It doesn't mean that you're kicked out of the kingdom of God. Too often we, again, we like to add words to the Bible and thoughts to the Bible that aren't really there. It doesn't say that uh, you'll never be in the kingdom of God or you're not welcome. In the, it says you're not fit. At that time in your life, when you're looking back, you're not fit for that work. So either grab a hold of the plow, grab the proverbial bull by the horns, and get after it, or don't. But stop making a mockery of the church by being half in and half out. Because that's what modern day Christians do. They make a mockery of the church. They make Christianity look so hypocritical. Everybody in the world, they're like, yeah, I'm not into church because they're all hypocrites. Well, I'm, I agree with you for the most part. Uh, they just are. Most, most Christians, they are. Now, I said most because I know a lot that aren't. But that's the world we live in. And so stop making a mockery of the church by being half in and half out. Either buy into what Christ is doing in your life or don't. Now, you won't hear that from a lot of Bible teachers because, you know, we want to keep as many people in as we can. We do. But I don't want people that are like lukewarm. I'm tired of this Laodicean church age that we live in where Jesus is like, I just wish you would pick one or the other, right? Because all I want to do is spew you out of my mouth. And we're like, well, you can't really say that. Well, Jesus did. Why can't we be like him? Why can't we just be like, hey, are you in? Are you out? Are you bought into what's happening or are you not? And if you're not, then why not? And we can work on that. But if you are, then praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Go get something done. Be past the point for him. And the last one, and this is very short. You might be like, there's no way that we have time for this. No, it's really short. It's really easy. If you're doing these other six things, this other, this last one, uh, this thing uh, should be found in your life as you follow God. It's pretty simple. You're going to tell others about him. You're going to tell others about him. John chapter 4. I'll flip over there if you want to get there. You can <clears throat> just real quick. John chapter 4, we're talking about the woman at the well. And if you know the story, I don't have time to recap the whole thing, but uh, basically Jesus uh, is talking to a woman that in their culture shouldn't really be talking to. She's a Samaritan. He's a Jew. They hated each other. It was just, it was a messed up deal. And you can go through the entire thing. Basically, he's like, hey, get me some water. And she's like, why are you even talking to me? You're not supposed to talk to me. Uh, you don't like me. I don't like you. And he's like, uh, uh, you know, we just need some water. And she's like, I'll give you some water and blah, blah, blah. So she gets the water and he's like, by the way, uh, this water, it's not going to suffice for you. And then she's like, oh, so you're spiritual. Well, this is Jacob's well. And she starts talking about, you know, Old Testament things. And he's like, if you drink the water that I've got, um, you'd never be thirsty again. And she's like, well, here, let me tell you something. You don't even have a pot to draw water with, so I don't understand what you're talking about. Uh, and so then he goes on and, uh, you know, he's, he's like, so I tell you what, why don't you just go get your husband and we'll have this conversation. She's like, well, I, I don't really have a husband. And, uh, Jesus is like, well, that's like the first true thing you've said to me so far because you've been married like six times and the guy that you're sleeping with now, he's not your husband. So at least you told me that. True. And then so now she's like, I think you must be a prophet, right? And go back and read the story. But that's basically what she says. Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. And so this whole thing goes on and I want to get to the point in the story where I'm talking about. But John chapter 4, verse 39. This whole thing is <clears throat> has went down. And so now the disciples come back. He sends her back to town. 
Uh, and the disciples are like, hey, what's been going on? Why, what are you talking to her for? And, uh, and so this whole thing happens in, uh, in verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman. So she goes back to town, and what does she do? She's like, hey, there's a dude out here who knows something that, that we need to know. Uh, her testimony of Jesus in her life was enough to lead people to Christ. It doesn't say that she was like an evangelist. It says that, hey, she went and told people of what happened in her life. And what does it say? And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified. He told me all thing, all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Now, there's two things I want you to see. You gotta be willing to just simply tell people what Jesus did in your life. You have to. That's what you're called to do. You're not called to go and save anybody. You're called to go and tell people what happened in your life and present them that. Now, too often, we don't even do that. And then the, the other side of that is when we do that and people don't believe, we're like, it's a complete waste of time, nobody wants to hear it. Well, you missed the second part of what just happened here. It said that because of your testimony, they didn't believe, but they at least checked it out themselves. They at least went ahead and came and heard it for themselves. There's going to be people in your life, there will be, not in your life, there will be people in eternity that you will meet that are going to say, hey, you had an impact on my salvation. You're going to be like, I never met you. And it's going to be because you invested in somebody who invested in them. You invested in somebody, and even though you didn't lead them to Christ, because of your testimony, because of your faithfulness, they actually checked it out. Maybe it was the next day, maybe it was the next year. But it was real enough for them to watch from afar and say, hey, there's something about this that maybe I should be a part of. And they went and checked it out on their own. Your testimony speaks freaking loudly. What's it look like to the world? What are you doing with it? Right? Go and tell people what happened in your life and don't expect anything other than for Jesus to do what he's going to do. Maybe it'll be today. Maybe it'll be next year. God gave us all free will. We're supposed to go and tell everybody. Some other references. We don't have time to get there. Mark 16, 15, you know, obviously go preach the word. That's what we're called to do, right? And then the, the one that everybody knows, Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20. Go ye therefore... Teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to deserve all things whatsoever I have called in you. Right? I mean, it's pretty simple. We are called to go. And too often we're like, well, that means I wouldn't be able to... No. Being called to go, being called to tell other people, a lot of times it's just simply telling them, hey, this is what happened to me. It was the craziest thing I ever did, but I gave my life to the Lord and here I am now, 15 years later, and it's, the cra- it's been the craziest ride that I could even... You're just called to go. You want to follow God? These seven things are going to be in your life. And if these seven things aren't in your life, then I'm going to tell you, stop trying to juggle the eight other things and focus on these first. Focus on the fact that you need to be a child of God first. Because if you're not a child of God first, if you're not following the way that He's called you to follow first, then all of the other efforts are in vain. You might have a good span in your marriage. You might have a good span of child training and all these different things in your life. But it will seem like it always comes back to the same thing. Man, it just keeps falling apart. It keeps falling. It's because you don't have the main thing, the main thing. The foundation is not where it needs to be. Start here. Start with following God. 
Make sure these seven things are in your life and that they're happening. And if they are, praise the Lord. If they're not, figure out why not. It's on you. It's not up to me. It's not up to me to tell you, hey, this is what's wrong with your life. Um, It's up to me to say, hey, this is how you need to follow. Are you going to or are you not? Okay, so come back next week. We're going to go into the next the next step um, in the in the family life study, and we're going to look at. Um, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I just want to make sure. Um, be, being a spouse, and I'm not going to give you a ton of details because we did an eight week marriage study about a year ago, and you can go back and listen to that if you want to. But um, what are the basics of what has God told me to do as far as being a spouse? Right, and so we'll get into some of that. Uh, I promise that one won't take four weeks to get through, but this one was important. So let's pray, and we'll get out of here. Father, I love you. Thank you for today. Thank you for your word. I thank you for uh, just loving us, for calling us out, for giving us purpose, for uh, just really <clears throat> desiring to use us, uh, for allowing us uh, and imperfect people uh, to be a part of your perfect ministry, and just allowing uh, us to uh, tell people about what happened in our life. So. Lord, I do pray that you would use us today uh, as lights in a dark world to just share your light to anybody that we come across. I pray for Pastor Brian as he preaches to us this morning. Uh, I pray that everybody get an opportunity to, to meet uh, Pastor Pradeep from India. and uh, He's just one of the, the greatest men that I've ever met in my life. And so, uh, just uh, Lord, I pray you just bless uh, the rest of the service that you would get all the honor and all the glory in Christ's name. Amen. All right, thanks guys. We'll see you next week. <coughs>